Hi, this is Adam Bergman with the IRA Financial Group, and today we're going to discuss a very important topic called the Unrelated Business Taxable Income, also known as UBIT or UBTI, rules and how they pertain to self-directed IRA investments. This is an area that gets a lot of attention, and it's an area that a lot of people have never heard of before they encounter the self-directed IRA world. The reason for that is when people use retirement money, well, first of all, UBTI or unrelated business taxable income is a set of tax rules that only apply to charities, so 501c3 entities like the Red Cross, for example, or to retirement accounts. And they only apply to charities and retirement accounts in a couple of different situations. Now, for most people with IRAs, and there's about 47 million IRAs out there, 90% or so are, are using their IRAs to buy stocks or mutual funds on the public markets. And when you buy stocks or mutual funds, which cover public companies, these companies like IBM, GE, Ford, Hewlett-Packard, Johnson Johnson, they're what's known as a C corporation. And a C corporation is basically a corporation that is treated as a uh, entity separate from its shareholders for tax purposes. So think as a corporation as a big box, and the shareholders are separated from the entity, and that's where the limited liability protection comes. But when a corporation uh, makes investments, all the income gains from the investments are trapped in the C-Corp, in that box, and the corporation pays tax. Once the corporation pays tax, any net earnings after taxes are paid could then be dividended up to the shareholders. So what that means is the income from the corporation activity is trapped in the C-Corp and is not part of the IRA or charity. The IRA or charity would receive a dividend from the corporation. And because of that, because a corporation is not a pass-through entity like an LLC or partnership, all this active trader business income generated from the business owned by the IRA or charity is trapped in the entity, doesn't flow through directly to the individual, and thus this unrelated business taxable income tax doesn't hit the IRA or the charity in, in the case of a stock or a mutual fund company. So all in all, for people that are just buying stocks, mutual funds with their IRA, UBTI is never going to come up. It's just not going to happen because 99.9% of the stocks they buy are C corporations, and C corporations trap the income into the entity. And there's no additional tax to pay when your IRA makes money from buying or selling Apple or Google stock. So UBTI doesn't come in uh, into play for the average person. This presentation, uh, this podcast, uh, which is titled UBTI Rules in the Self-Directed IRA Part 1, it's really going to look at some of the, the background of the U UBTI or UBIT rules and how they, they apply to self-directed IRAs. And, and Part 2 is going to be focus more about real estate as well as ways to avoid UBTI if possible. So let, let's talk about the background. Now, the unrelated business taxable income rules can be found in Internal Revenue Code Section 512, and they go all the way to 514. Essentially, UBTI was created, this tax regime was, was created back in the 50s before retirement accounts even existed. The, the intent of these rules were really to stop public companies like McDonald's, for example, from setting up a charity and then running their hamburger business through the charity 
and ever paying tax. Congress was concerned that people were going to be using charities for business purposes and not pay tax. So they set up these rules and they said, if you set up a charity like the Red Cross and you generate income through a trade or business that's regularly carried on and it's unrelated to your exempt purpose, then that income is going to be subject to tax. And Congress's view is that if you're the Red Cross and you have a gift store or a, a restaurant or a parking garage or run a uh, consulting business, that's not connected to your exempt purpose, and we need to tax you and treat you like a business. And the tax rates that apply are, are actually not the corporate or individual tax rates, but are the trust tax rates. And they're very close to the corporate tax rates, uh, although the, the, the graduated scale is, is much lower, meaning if you are a corporation, a C-Corp, and you have income under $50,000, your tax rate is going to be above 15%. If you do that using the trust tax rates, not the corporate tax rates, you could be playing close to 40% tax. So you'll get to the highest level of tax, which is close to 40% in 2015 under the trust rates, a lot quicker using the trust tax rates, although the corporate tax rates will still tax you at a high at a close to a 35% rate. So the max rates are kind of similar, but you'll hit those max rates a lot quicker with the trust. So these these penalties obviously are pretty serious when you look at a charity or an IRA who doesn't pay tax. You know, the Red Cross gets people to donate money and then they use those funds for exempt purposes. They don't pay tax on any uh, of, of the contributions they receive. Same with if they're investing the contributions in public markets, for example, to re receive a return, they're not receiving, they're not paying any tax. So when someone tells them that you have to pay tax now on some of the earnings associated with your uh, business uh, connected with the charity, that, that's something they need to look into. And, and it, it's really something that charities take on. Anyone who's been involved with charities or that works for them or, or connected in, on the board with some understands these unrelated business taxable income rules, and they actually change how, how these charities do business. For example, hospitals, which a lot of them are, are not-for-profits, gift shops or the parking garages, they usually outsource them, meaning the, chair, the hospital doesn't actually run the gift shop. Um, a lot of times they'll hire, they'll, they'll outsource it to a third party, an actual business, and just receive rental income for the space. Same with the parking garage or the restaurant. The reason, they don't want to pay unrelated business taxable income, which is, like I said, close to 35 to 40%. There's five buckets of income under Section 512 of the Internal Revenue Code that are exempt from this UBTI tax. Rental income, capital gains, dividends, royalties, interest. Again, interest, royalties, rental income, capital gains, dividends. Really the most popular types of passive categories of income, the main buckets, so to speak. So if a charity was leased out its space and collected rental income, that would be exempt from the UBTI tax, whereas business income from the sale of magazines or parking spaces or food is not passive but active business income. Clearly, it's an active business when you have a restaurant in your hospital. It's regularly carried on because you're serving food on a daily basis. And it's clearly uh, unrelated to your exempt purpose because a hospital is not in the food business. So 
in those in those cases, what uh, people have done in charities is they've outsourced it to third parties who, who pay tax on the income they earn, and they just pay a, a rental fee to the hospital, for example, and that fee goes back to the hospital without tax. Now, that's obviously oversimplifying things, but just to give you an idea of how this UBTI tax could could have an impact on on 501 type organizations like a charities. Well, what about an IRA? I mean, we know in the 1950s, IRAs weren't around. They, they only came to be in, in the 1970s with 401k plans. Why did you know, why do these rules apply to IRAs and 401ks? And it's unclear why other than they're treated as 501 organizations like a charity. And uh, the IRS felt that if a, a retirement plan like a charity engages in an active trader business, they should be treated as a business and taxed like a business. The distinction between an IRA and a charity, obviously, other than the fact that, you know, the core distinction that one's a retirement account and one's uh, an organization uh, out to do public good, is the fact that a IRA doesn't really have an exempt purpose, right? It, an IRA or a 401k is, is a retirement plan. It's not uh, around to help people uh, with issues or feed the homeless or take care of the needy. It's there to uh, help help the individual's retirement account. So essentially, the distinction I'm making is that almost any business that an IRA does is going to be considered regularly carried on, assuming it's regularly carried on, and and exempt for, and and essentially um, not related to its exempt purpose. So whereas a charity like the Red Cross could technically have a business regularly carried on that is actually associated with with its exempt purpose and does not treat it as an unrelated business taxable income activity, then the IRA couldn't because there, there really isn't going to be any activity that is going to be um, you know part of its exempt purpose because the exempt purpose is really a retirement account. So what I'm trying to say is, is a charity technically can have a business it's associated with that is associated with its exempt purpose and thus would not trigger a UBTI tax, whereas an IRA wouldn't. So an IRA who engages in any active trader business regularly carried on is going to pay UBTI tax on that income, assuming it is generated through a pass-through entity. Remember, we talked about initially that a company like IBM or Apple or GE or Ford, 99% of all public companies are C-corporations. Remember, a C-corporation is a box. It's an entity exempt from its shareholders, and it's not a pass-through entity. An LLC partnership, limited partnership, is a pass-through entity, meaning when the LLC earns income, the LLC doesn't pay federal income tax. The members do or the partners do. This is a very important point, especially when it comes to unrelated business taxable income, because any of that income that flows through from the LLC a partnership or other pass-through entity engage in an active trader business regularly carried on is going to trigger UBTI. So what does that mean for an IRA? Well, an IRA who engages or invests in a LLC partnership or limited partnership in a trader business, and a trader business, um, if we look at Internal Revenue Code uh, Section 162, is basically any activity that allows for deductions, expenses, paid or incurred and carrying on the trader business. So it's that's kind of where you start, but it's really based off the activity, uh, what the services uh, of that activity are, what type of revenues are being uh, generated. 
there is uh, generally some uh, debate as to whether an activity could be a trade or business. Happens a lot in real estate. If you own a house and sell it, uh, you're probably not in a trader business. But if you own 500 homes and sell them, you probably are considered in the real estate trader business because the IRS may argue that the homes are inventory, just like Walmart uh, stocks and shelves with soap or uh, underwear. Um, if you have 100, 200, 300 homes you're selling, it's it's pretty much uh, the same thing. So the idea of something is a trader business is up to debate. Same with regularly carried on. Is this activity something that's ongoing, like a business, a store that's open you know, six days a week or seven days a week or a consulting business that's you know, open for business to, to acquire new clients, consult with clients? Um, that's an important fact, and a lot of this is facts and circumstances. It's something that, that you or your, your tax professionals, accountants, lawyers need to look at when your IRA is engaging in an investment. Is the investment going to be a trader business? Now, again, I, I hate harping on this, but it's important. If you're buying Apple stock or IBM, it's a C-Corp. doesn't matter if it's a trader business or regularly carried on. You're, you're okay. C, think of the C-Corp as a blocker. It blocks any of that income from traveling up to the IRA or charity. You don't have to worry about UBTI. So if you, like most Americans, are using your IRA money or 401k money to buy stocks, mutual funds, ETFs, don't have to worry about it. UBTI. You can turn this podcast off off if you know if you're bored and don't really uh, perceive yourself to do any alternative investments in the future. For those of you that are considering making private investments with your IRA, whether it's real estate, whether it's investing in a friend's business, uh, hedge fund, private equity fund, venture capital fund that is operated through an LLC partnership, limited partnership, you need to be concerned about UBTI. People don't talk about UBTI, but all the major uh, hedge funds, private equity funds, venture capital funds, all are concerned about UBTI. Why? Because who are the major investors? Pension funds. Now, pension funds have a, a lot of money to invest because they need to generate strong returns to, to satisfy their pension obligations. We're talking about billions and billions of dollars. And these hedge funds, private equity funds, venture capital funds are always looking for money. So they can go out and, and buy businesses and earn fees or make investments and earn fees. So they're very cautious and concerned about UBTI, obviously, as a pension fund. Don't want to pay 35 or 40% tax on your profits. So this is something that a lot of funds are concerned with. A, a lot of, of individuals never heard of this UBTI until they come into contact with it, with uh, talking about self-directed IRAs. But it's out there, and a lot of the, the tax professionals and Pension funds and, of course, um, hedge funds, private equity funds, venture capital funds are very well aware of, it, uh, aware of these rules. And my job is to hopefully inform my clients about uh, the impact they have because you know, being hit with this UBTI tax can turn a really lucrative and attractive tax-deferred, tax-attractive uh, opportunity, investment opportunity into not so uh, – wise or uh, tax efficient when you're slapped with a 35% tax on your profit. And then when you hit 70 years old, have to pay tax again on that income. Or if you had a Roth IRA and you had to pay 35% on your profits, where if you, if you just bought stocks, mutual funds, or did a different deal, you wouldn't have to pay tax. So it changes up the whole dynamics of an investment, uh, whether it makes sense to do or not. Um, whether uh, it's something you want to do or not. And it's really important that you uh, understand how it can get triggered. 
And basically, as, as I mentioned, the, um, the main way an IRA would get hit with UBTI is if it invests in an LLC partnership, limited partnership, any entity treated as a pass-through entity. So if there's a C corporation that treated as from a tax standpoint to be taxed as a partnership, and that business is a trader business, business is regularly carried on, you're going to get hit with this UBTI tax, assuming the profits are greater than $600,000. So if you're going to have under $1,000, you're probably not going to have to worry about UBTI. But if you're looking to make an investment that's going to generate more than $1,000 a year, um, that's something you need to be concerned with. You would file this UBTI tax on IRS Forum 990-T as in Thomas. The tax isn't paid by you personally. It's paid by your IRA or 401k, and it is a tax. And as I mentioned, pretty hefty tax. And of course, changes up the advantage of using retirement money to make a business uh, or a passive investment when you're getting hit by a 35% tax. Now, the majority of your investment opportunities with an IRA will not trigger UBTI. Again, capital gain investments, royalties, rental income, dividends, interests. All will be exempt from UBTI. The main way you get hit UBTI is if you invest in a trader business regularly carried on through a pass-through entity, LLC, partnership, LP, limited partnership. Uh, also, there's two other ways, which I'll talk about in part two, and that's if you use margin. So if you buy stock and you use margin, you borrow some money to buy the stock. Or in the case of an IRA, you use a non-recourse loan to buy real estate or do your deal. The leverage uh, is uh, something the IRS feels, whether it's margin, whether it's a loan, is not part of uh, uh, something a retirement account should be doing. It looks more like a business when you're using leverage, and they're going to tax a percentage of your profit, which equals the leverage portion, uh, on uh, uh, on that transaction. So, for example, if your IRA put in $80,000 and borrow 20000 on a non-recourse basis, that's an 80-20 split. And if the property or the investment generated $2,000 in profit, 20% of that would be subject to this UBTI tax. Now, um, you, of course, thankfully are able to take into account some deductions, depreciation, uh, other expenses that will lower that UBTI tax because the IRS is kind enough to uh, at least allow you to do that since they're treating you as a business. From this standpoint, they're allowing you to at least take deductions like a business and reduce that UBTI tax. Now, one last point uh, is the loan has to be non-recourse. You can never do a recourse loan or, or take a personal guarantee mortgage when you use IRA funds or 401k funds because that would trigger the prohibited transaction rules under Internal Revenue Code Section 4975. So in the case of an IRA, the UBTI tax or the UBIT rules are triggered in three ways. Number one, you invest through an LLC partnership or other pass-through entity for tax purposes in a trader business that's regularly carried on, and it generates income or profits of over $1,000. Number two, use margin when you buy stock. Number three, when you use a non-recourse loan, for example, to buy real estate. Now, there's a specific exception for 401ks under Internal Revenue Code Section 514 for someone who uses non-recourse loan to buy real estate, and that's called for real estate acquisition indebtedness. Again, the loan has to be non-recourse, and it only applies to 401ks, not IRAs, unfortunately. So the 401k lobbyists did a good job of getting that exception in there and not so much for the IRAs. 
So I'm just going to conclude with that for the part one uh, podcast discussion on the unrelated business taxable income rules as they apply to self-directed IRAs. It gets triggered three ways. You have to, uh, whether you use margin, number one, non-recourse loan, number two, in the IRA setting, 401ks, only triggered two cases, margin. And if your IRA or 401k engages in a, invests in a trader business, it's regularly carried on, operated through an LLC partnership or other pass-through entity. So again, that's facts and circumstances. Is the investment a trader business? You know, is the real estate fund a business or is it just a passive fund? Is this uh, enterprise or activity your friend is doing a business or is it just uh, investing in, in certain things passively? That's the uh, really the logic you, you, you need to go through to make the conclusion whether the activity is a trader business regularly carried on. It's very imperative because if you decide and your advisors uh, take the approach it's not a trader business or it's not regularly carried on, you don't have to deal with UBTI, even if it's done through an LLC or partnership. Now, it's clear if you're investing in a restaurant or a, ma- a business and it, it looks like a business and smells like a business, it is a business. And that's really the, the uh you know, the smell test, so to speak. I think in real estate, it gets confusing, and that's something I'm going to tackle in, in, in uh, part two of the podcast because there's a, there, there is a, a test the uh, tax court has brought out in terms of determining whether something is, uh, especially in the real estate world, a trader business and regularly carried on. I think in, in the regular business world, it's obvious when you're investing in someone's restaurant or store or consulting business or manufacturing um, enterprise, it's pretty obvious. There are some difficulties in, in that analysis when you're looking at real estate or certain funds or maybe storage facilities or RV parks. And that's something I'm going to tackle in, in part two. But just remember, UBTI is really important to understand. It can turn a really tax advantage investment or uh, into a, uh, a really bad investment from a tax standpoint because you can get hit with double taxes, UBTI tax, and when you take a distribution. It could turn a tax-free Roth investment into a taxable investment, tax rate close to 40%, um, complicated filing requirements. So something you really need to be uh, aware of. Adam Bergman, IRIC Financial Group, um, thanks for listening to the podcast, Unrelated Business Taxable Income and the Self-Directed IRA, Part 1. Part 2 will be coming shortly. Uh, look forward to presenting questions, please uh, email me, adamb at iratefinancialgroup.com. That's A-D-A-M-B as in boy at iratefinancialgroup.com or uh, 800-472-0646, extension 12, 800-472-646, extension 12. Visit us, www.irafinancialgroup.com. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Thanks, and uh, I look forward to uh, podcast number two on uh, part two of UBTI and the self-directed IRA trend, uh, structure. Thanks again for listening.